Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. We're in Romans chapter 12. These are Paul's words to the church in Rome. Paul says this, Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand ground when you're in trouble. And devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people. And welcome strangers into your home. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You may be seated. Okay, so um, this past summer, actually it was late spring. Late spring, um, I was with Pastor Christian and Ben at something called the Northwest Indiana District Assembly. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is a time when lots of Nazarene churches get together and important business happens. Like people who are in the process of becoming ordained, they are ordained at that event. There's six people in the whole world who govern the entire denomination of the Church of the Nazarene. One of those six people is always there. So we were at this event. It was an important event, and the church that was hosting this event was having all kinds of technical difficulties, all kinds of technical difficulties. They could not get the microphones turned on, and so someone would be up there talking, and everyone would be looking around. It it was awful, and it didn't happen just one time. Every time someone stood up and grabbed a mic, it was like, this isn't going to work. And, and, and it even happened in the most important time during the assembly, which was the night when people are going to be ordained. And so everybody's wearing suits. I actually own a suit. That might surprise you. I was wearing a suit. Everyone was wearing suits, this big fancy event. The general superintendent stands up to read this very formal prayer to call everyone to worship. And his microphone's not working. And you all know how church people can get sometimes. Sometimes church people feel like when when there's technical difficulties, like that people don't know there's technical difficulties. And so they need to let people know there's technical difficulties. So people in the audience were yelling out, I can't hear you. I can't hear you from from the audience. And 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 it I mean to me the whole thing was distracting. Honestly, it was kind of embarrassing. Like if this is how it happens, like we can do better than this. And after the worship service, that ordination service, the general superintendent who was there um, who's not American Guatemalan, Um, he was talking to someone, and he said of those technical difficulties, how dishonoring, how dishonoring. (laughs) 
know, I thought to myself, embarrassing. I, was, I felt ashamed a little bit. But I never would have thought that's dishonoring. Because honor is not a word that we use very much. We just don't use the word honor. I mean, sometimes it pops up onto the, like the, the nightly news or radar because we hear of something called an honor killing where there is a country or a culture that has like this honor and shame thing to them. And so the worst thing that you can do is to bring shame upon your family's honor. And sometimes if you have so disgraced them or so ashamed them, they feel like it's better to kill you than it is to live with that sort of of shame. How dishonorable. Now, you might look at me and you might think to yourself, he looks like he's a fighter. He looks like he's a fighter. And you would be wrong. I've only been in a couple of fist fights in my life. The first was when I was in fourth grade. I was in fourth grade. And I was walking out to recess, and Jacob Lovelace was walking in from recess. And the hallway at my school was a little bit narrow, and we're all single file lining it, walking out. And Jacob Lovelace stepped across that aisle and stuck his shoulder straight into my chest and kind of looked at me. And I kind of staggered back a little bit. And then all my friends were in line with me, and I was, I felt dishonored. So I said, Jacob Lovelace, that's not how this works. Let's, re- let's reason with each other. What is wrong, Jacob? No, I was in fourth grade, and I, I thought I was something. And so I started to shove Jacob Lovelace, and he shoved me back. And pretty soon it made its way onto the recess where I'm not proud of this, but hands were thrown, punches were exchanged. I'm not sure who won. But uh, Jacob has some scars he could show you. (laughs) And this is the worst part of the whole thing. You know, today, people don't wear sweatpants. Today, people wear joggers. You know, joggers. Well, back in the day, joggers didn't exist. I had this brand new pair of St. Louis Cardinals sweatpants. And I mean, they were nice, y'all. Nice. And I wore them to school that day with my Nikes. And I was feeling really good about life. And Jacob Lovelace and I got into that little skirmish, and it ended up on the ground, because that's how these always go. And we were rolling around, and I got mud all over my sweatpants, and I messed up my really clean Nikes. And so I got sent home from school, and when my mom came to pick me up, she had a lot of things to say to me. But what I was most sad about was that I ruined those sweatpants. So what is honor? So what is honor? Honor is the recognition of someone's value. It's the recognition of their contribution. To honor someone is to esteem them. It's to place value on a person. It's to recognize the value of someone. And we don't live in a culture where there's a lot of honor given out. In fact, we don't say the word honor all of that much. I think maybe the closest thing that we have in our culture that can help us to understand this is Mother's Day. Mother's Day. So 
On Mother's Day, we honor our moms who went through nine months of nausea and lack of sleep and discomfort as their body is being invaded and then hours and hours and hours of horrific pain so that we could be here and enter into this world. And that was just the beginning of our relationship with our moms. That was even before diapers. That's how the whole thing began. So on Mother's Day, we honor, we ascribe honor. We recognize the value of mothers. Or maybe you have heard of an honorarium. An honorarium. So an honorarium is a financial gift that a community gives when someone of value gives something to the community. And we recognize the gift that we gave. So in return, we give them an honorarium. And to honor someone is to recognize their value. And Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, honor one another. Honor one another. He doesn't say honor the celebrity amongst you or only honor the most important person. He says, honor one another. In fact, he says, outdo yourselves in giving honor to one another. Okay, now listen, feel free to judge me on this. I get it. I'm a little bit nerdy sometimes. But in preparation for this sermon, I read an article. And this is no joke, the title of the article. It's from Columbia University. You could read it this afternoon if you cannot fall asleep. This is the title of the article. The title of the article is called Automated Social Hierarchy Detection Through Email Network Analysis. One more time. Automated Social hierarchy detection through email network analysis. And right now you're thinking to yourself, professors will research anything. And you're 100% correct. Because this is how it goes. Columbia University uh, researchers um, began to research tens of thousands of 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 companies or corporate email networks. So they went to Tens of thousands of companies, they said, can we, can we analyze your email servers? And this is what they found out. You can determine who is most important and least important in a company by how long it takes someone to reply to their email. So the more important someone is, the faster their email gets a reply. The less important someone is, the longer it takes for someone to get a reply to the email. And for those of you right now who are like, hey, listen, I'm waiting for an email reply from you, that that rule does not apply to me. Like, don't make anything of that. What Paul is saying is something different than the way our world is ordered. Paul says, honor every person as if they are the person of highest value in your life. And it's a command. It's an imperative. Honor each other. Honor the most important person just as much as you honor the least important person and vice versa. It's like C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. 
there are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. A few years ago, our family was eating dinner at a local restaurant, and one of our children needed to go to the restroom, and so I was kind of assisting in that process, so I left our booth and walked through the, the restaurant to where the restroom was, and on my way back, I recognized um, Isaac Haas. For those of you who are Purdue basketball fans, you know who Isaac Haas is. Kind of hard to miss. The dude's a giant. Seven foot whatever feet that like are as big as like my whole leg. And um, he was there with what appeared to be his girlfriend. And um, I went back to the table and Sherry was there. And I said to Sherry, Isaac Haas is up there. Isaac Haas is up there. Now, Sherry and I have a little bit of different approach to local celebrities. Sherry will introduce herself to the local meteorologist at Old Navy. I, I stay away. I stay away from that. So Sherry is like, well, we should, we should meet him. We should talk to him. We should meet him. We should talk to him. I, I didn't realize this. It was actually Steve Boer who informed me of this. But for years, um, we, we've, we've changed houses since we lived here. But our previous house was across the street from one of Matt Painter's children. I had no idea. And Steve Boer told me one day, he was like, I think one of Matt Painter's kids live, lives across the street from you. And you're all, you're all are going to be like, what kind of neighborhood do you live in? Like when you hear this story, but that ain't how it goes. But, um, but I didn't believe it for the longest time until one, one day I was on the front porch hanging out and, and this black SUV rolls out that's totally blacked out pulls into the driveway of the street across the house, opens up the, the, the trunk, and the kid from inside opens up the garage door, grabs a gym bag, pops it in the back, and who gets out of the front to, to meet this kid but Matt Painter? And I'm, like, running inside the house. And I'm like, Matt, Matt Painter, that's Matt, that's Matt, that's Matt Painter. Here's what Paul is saying. What if we honored everyone the same way that Sherry and I, and then myself, honored Isaac Haas and Matt Painter? What if we were like, hey, Sherry, Sarah is up there. Sarah, mama, two kids. Sarah's in the restaurant. Are you serious, Sarah? Yeah, let's go meet her. Let's go talk to her. What, what if we were like, hey, James, the engineer, he lives across the street. James, James does. We laugh because we don't treat people that way. Who does treat people that way? Jesus did. And what if, if Jesus' followers would do that same thing? In fact, in a lot of translations in your Bible, the way that Romans chapter 12 is translated is a little bit less than desirable. In fact, that's why we read this translation this morning from the Common English Bible. Because the appropriate way to translate Romans 12, chapter 12 is not just give honor to each other, or honor one another, it really is try to outdo each other with giving honor. Like it's a competition. 
And the idea is of a community of people that are tripping over themselves, trying to honor one another. I mean, maybe you've been at an airport, and someone is returning home from, 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 from military service overseas, and they're, they're coming back home. And if you've ever been in an airport when this happens, it's like the whole terminal freezes, and people line up, and they start clapping as that soldier, as that veteran is making their way through. It's like they are a local hero and not to tear down their service or to, or to belittle them in any way, but in an effort to build up the inherent value of all people. What if we recognized each other's value exactly the same way? And here's why this is important enough for me to preach about. In the kingdom of God, this isn't some peripheral issue. This doesn't just show up in one isolated verse and the preacher's pulling it out and acting like it's the world's most important thing. This is a big deal. And can I be honest with you? I've preached here for 10 years and I've never once mentioned the word honor out of my mouth. In fact, I've read the Bible for decades And I've been skipping over these passages, not intentionally, but just missing the importance of what's happening here. And it's too bad, because this is really important. And if we want to become the kind of community that exemplifies to the world who our God is, we've got to get this honor thing right. It shows up in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Honor is our destiny someday. It says this, Then I looked and I heard the sound of many angels surrounding the throne, the living creatures and the elders. One day this will be you. And they numbered in the millions, thousands upon thousands. And they said in a loud voice, Worthy is the slaughtered lamb to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, and honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea, I heard everything everywhere say, blessing, honor, glory, and power belong to the one seated on the throne to the Lamb forever and always. And then the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Honor is your destiny. Honor is your destiny. It's how the Trinity treats each other. Within the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there exists this honoring that's happening. John chapter 5 says this. The Father doesn't just judge anyone, but he has given all judgments to the Son so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever doesn't honor the Son doesn't honor the Father who sent him. All of creation honors God. We are to honor God with our bodies. Proverbs chapter 3 says we are honored to honor God with our wealth. 1 Peter chapter 3 says that husbands should honor their wives. Throughout the Bible, there is this common stream, and this common theme, the kind of community that God creates is a community where people are honored and valued. 
where love flows between people, between all members. Honor is everywhere in God's world, except in our culture. We do not live in a culture where we honor another one. And sometimes, sadly, that culture makes its way into us, the church. Our world is not full of honor for one another. We live in a world of sarcasm and put-down, contempt for each other. We lack respect for each other. We lack reverence for each other. Here's what we do. We lower people, and we devalue them, and we distance ourselves from them. It's like we turn down our noses at people. We live in this world. I mean, let's take politics for example, which is the most obvious. I mean, let's be honest here. What do you honestly think about people who voted differently than you? What do you think about them? You think those people are logical, sane, smart, compassionate? Honestly, we're like, how could they? How could they? Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not like we lower their value. We see this happening between ethnicities. We don't understand. We distance ourselves, lower each other's value. We see this happening all of the time between generations. Boomers who are sarcastic towards millennials because, you know, those millennials, man, they just expect to be included in everything, participation trophies without even earning it. Millennials resentful of boomers because boomers had a job and no college debt waiting for them when they turned 22 and they were given all of those gifts and then they proceeded to wreck the environment. And the entire time, Generation Xers are just like, hey, we're left out. No one cares. We're totally left out of the conversation. And what ends up happening is this culture of content produces discouragement. And so people kind of connect with the church and they think, finally, at last, finally a place where people love God and love each other. But then they get further connected into that church and they're like, oh, in theory only, in theory only, this just feels like gossip at work. But worse than that, worse than that. Worse than the discouragement that contempt produces is that contempt can actually diminish the power of God at work in a community. I want to read you a story from Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Jesus left that place, listen to this, and he came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And in his hometown on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were surprised. They know this kid. He's from their hometown. So they say, where'd he get all of this? What is this wisdom he's been given? What about all the powerful acts he's accomplished through him? Now notice what happens. Isn't this the carpenter? 
isn't he Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They were repulsed by him and fell into sin. And Jesus said to them, prophets are honored everywhere except in their own hometowns, among the relatives, and in their own households. And he was unable to do any miracles there except he placed his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's a bad day for Jesus. He was appalled by their disbelief. And then Jesus traveled through the surrounding villages teaching. So let's break that down. He shows up to his hometown, and they know him. It's a small little town, middle of nowhere. And people are amazed, brilliant, compelling, compassionate. But then they begin to diminish him. Isn't he a carpenter? Now, there's no wood where Jesus lived. So really what that means is that he's into masonry or a construction worker or blue collar. And then they say, hey, isn't this Mary's son? You remember Mary? I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Mary. (laughs) And they all took offense at him. So what did he do? He left. He left. Now Jesus has so much power that even when he's being disregarded and dishonored, he can still, still heal people. But notice, Jesus is from Nazareth. Notice what these Nazarenes did. They lowered his value. Here's what they said. He's just one of us. We know him. Nothing special. And there is this desire within all of us to make everyone the same, to bring everyone down to our level. But what would have happened if those people in Jesus' hometown were like, oh, Jesus, wow, this is amazing. God came in a bush, God came in a pillar of fire and a cloud, and now he has come in a carpenter. This is incredible. What if they would have said, we honor you as the son of God. Now show us what you can do. Because when the tap was turned off because the Nazarenes diminished him, Jesus still healed a few people. But what would have happened if Jesus would have responded to the honor that existed in that community and would have been like, okay, let me show you my glory. And they missed out on that. And why did they miss out on that? Their dishonor. It was the dishonor that existed within their own community of people. It was their desire to diminish people as opposed to lift other people up and to give them value. Because of their dishonor, they missed out on what Jesus had to offer the same principle applies to us. When we dishonor people, when we devalue them, when we lower their value, we lose out on the access of their presence. And when we distance ourselves from their presence, we cut off 
what God can do through them. But when we value people, when we honor people, when we ascribe worth to them, when we recognize within them the God-given dignity of their life, we gain access to all of the gifts that God can do through them that can bring the community up. Where are we today as a church? And where are you today in your heart and in your life? Do you recognize the God-given value of others around you? Do you seek to always honor them, to whisper about them in private and not nasty things or negative things that you would never want them to know? And if they, if they found out about it, you'd deny it. But do you whisper of them, hey, Sarah's here. Sarah Bama, two kids, she's here. What if we were to be known as the kind of community who valued, who honored all people? Here's what would happen. The goodness, the glory, and the blessings of God's Spirit would find themselves a home with us. You dishonor people, Jesus leaves. That's what smart people do when other people are being dishonored. They get out. You honor people, it's like you're posturing your heart to receive the very blessings of God.